So I want to talk to you about understanding God's way. God's way. You know, most people in the world who aren't Christians, they say the word God. They don't know who God is. They have no concept who God is. They've got an understanding of God that he's this mean judge or this or that. And they don't know the God of love, the God who sent his son Jesus into this world. They don't know. So we have to introduce people, invite people to church, share with them the good news in a personal way. Because they don't know God. They don't know his personality. How can you love someone if you don't know what they're like? Impossibly. Even people who get to know God, who are sitting in the building this morning, a lot of us, we don't know God the way he does things. We know God, we love Jesus, that's been presented to us. But understanding God's thoughts and ways, we constantly need revelation through the Holy Spirit as we read God's word, as we come to church. Because God's ways, well, here's a famous verse from Isaiah 55, right? And it says this, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. So God's ways, that's the New Living Translation, and God's thoughts are not the way you think, not the way I think. The way I would do things is not the way God does things. And even though you walk with the Lord for 30, 40, 50, 60 years, you're constantly, as you get to know him better through the word, by the spirit, in service, in communion with the believers, you learn things about God, hopefully. And Peter says, I'm writing to remind you about God's ways because it's so easy to forget. We forget the way God is. Now, my wife is sitting over there, and I know her a lot about her. I met her when she was six. I was 11. It wasn't love at first sight. <laughs> now, knowing her all these years, she knows me. She knows my thoughts. She knows my ways. She'll say sometimes, I know what you're thinking right now. I knew you were going to do that. Anyone here have an annoying wife? I mean, I mean, does anyone <laughs> here? Only joking. Carol, that was a joke. It's only a joke. But she'll say, I know, I knew you would do that. I, and I know the same about her. How many get what I'm talking about? Just lift your hand. So with God, I find myself pastoring all these years. I forget God's ways. I do. I revert back to human thinking, culture thinking, half Polish, half Ukrainian, you know, ethnically thinking, that American thinking. And it's all whack compared to the way God thinks and God's ways. So this is short, but you concentrate because... I want to remind you about how different God's ways are. It'll help us. It'll make you more thankful, too. So, for example, even being right with God. How do you get right with God? Not everybody in this building is right with God, accepted by God. Not everyone in the world walking around who says God or Jesus has a relationship with God and, and is right with God, ready to go to heaven. Come, Jesus, come. When, when he comes, they're going to be in a bad place. Why? Either they haven't heard, they've rejected, or they, they don't understand that their ways are not God's ways. You can't make God do what you want to do and make, you th make him think what you think. He's God. We have to conform to his thinking. So just with that early thought here of how do you get right with God? How could a holy God accept you and me into heaven? No, I mean for real. He's perfect. 
what would you and I be doing there? Are you perfect? Don't say you try your best. That doesn't cut it. Don't say you've made a resolution, you're going to do better, read more Bible and all that. It, it's all, forget it. Don't compare yourself. Don't let me compare myself to someone else and say, look, I'm not, I'm not some, you know, monster. I'm not some degenerate person. I'm not a drug dealer and whatever. That doesn't make it either. Let's just look quickly at a few little pictures from one chapter in the New Testament. Abraham, one of the great names in the Old Testament, was, humanly speaking, the founder of our Jewish nation. Paul is writing in Romans 4, the Apostle Paul. What did he discover about being made right with God? If his good deeds had made him acceptable to God, he would have had something to boast about. But that was not God's way. Now, wait a minute. If God's going to accept us, we just got to do good enough for him to say, okay, How does basketball work? You beat the other team when you do better than they do. 84 to 78, you won. How do you get a good mark in high school? You get the most questions right. You merit an award. They give you the silver star or whatever. You got to do, listen, you got to do something. You know, that's our whole culture. That's the way we think. But Abraham found out God counted him as righteous because of his faith. When people work, try to live a good life, obey the commandments, their wages are not a gift, but something they have earned. But people are counted as righteous, accepted by God, not because of their work. That's crazy. What do you mean? You work, but you're not going to get paid. No, God's not paying anybody anything. There's no wages paid by God. God does not pay anybody anything. But because of their faith in God, who forgives sinners... Well, let me get this straight. Abraham, the Bible says, believed God. God made a promise to him. God appeared to him. He didn't have any background with God. He was a pagan. God came to him, spoke, and said, leave where you're living and go where I'm telling you, and I'm going to bless you and do all these amazing things. And he, he believed God, and he followed God. And God took his faith and put it on his account as if he was perfectly righteous. He accepted him, not because he merited it, but because he simply believed. That's crazy. That's nothing in, in life works like that. You don't go at the end of the week and say, I didn't show up. I worked by the hour. I didn't show up, but pay me anyway because I believe in you. <laughs> the boss will say, take a walk, take a hike. I don't care if you believe in me. You didn't work. You don't work, you don't get paid. Isn't everything in life like that? Try that. No, don't try that. But if you went to your boss and said, you know, I didn't work. I know I took off three months, but I believe in you. (laughs) See what he does. So God's ways are not our ways. And all of us, as Martin Luther said, we're legalists by nature. We are all wanting to earn something. No, got to do something so that God can say, good job. So we're trying to fix it up. Oh, you had a bad day. You spoke inadvisedly to your spouse. You did something. You told a lie. You're tempted. Whatever happened, you did it. Now you got to get good stuff to outweigh the bad. Because then God will accept you because you got to do good. You got to, you know, live. 82% of all Americans think that you go to heaven if you live a good life. They're thinking natural, and God doesn't think that way. No one's going to heaven because they live a good life. Zero, not one. See, a lot of you are stunned by that. 
because you grew up with religion, not the gospel. So the Bible says here, but people are counted as righteous, not because of their work, but because of their faith in God who loves to forgive sinners. God's main thing today with the band, with me, with all of us, please believe in me. Embrace me. Embrace my word. Lean on it. Trust it. Believe in the one that I sent to be your Savior. Just believe and I'll accept you. No, but what do I have to do? Do nothing. He did everything on the cross. Just believe. Come on. We want to say amen to that. Believe. Somebody in the room, I can tell, thought, oh, but that means then you can live any way you want. No, that means your mind is not right. Because once you believe in Jesus and he comes into your life, you don't want to live the way you used to live. How many want to live a life to please him and make him happy? And he puts his spirit within us so that we can live in a different way. But we don't get saved because we live a different way. We get saved solely by faith in Christ. Only faith. Nobody's getting pay. No salary checks ever handed out by God. Should we do good works? We should do good works to show people that Christ lives within us. But no one gets payment for those good works. No. We're accepted only by faith. So I wonder how many of you here in this room only have religion. You go to Brooklyn Tabernacle, that ain't going to cut it. You sit here once a week and you think, well, I'm good. I'm good to go. I go to church. Warden grew up in Louisiana. He grew up in the Bible Belt there. You know, just, well, praise God. Born a Baptist, going to die a Baptist. (laughs) Born a Nazarene. Am I right, Warden? That's the way they think. And everywhere, not just Louisiana. But that's not God's way. No, God's way is radical. Believe. Believe. Have you embraced God? Notice this. Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. He didn't believe in church. He didn't believe in five-point Calvinism. He didn't believe in Pentecostal doctrine. He believed in God. He embraced God. He accepted God and he said, you are now the center. I am trusting you with my life. And he left where he was to go to a place he had never been all because God told him to and he believed God. I hope you have that relationship. I really do. That's the happiest life you could live. Listen, what David, David's going to throw in a few words. David also spoke of this when he described the happiness of those who are declared righteous without working for it. God declares and says, no, Carol is righteous. I accept her. Uh, Based on what? Because I declared her righteous. Because she believes in me. See why it's quiet is here? Because all of us are legalists by nature. This sounds scary, but I'm reading to you from the Bible. I'm not making this up. David spoke of this when he described the happiness of those who are declared righteous without working for for it. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven and whose sins are put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of sin. You're never going to have that joy if you're living under the law and trying to be good enough because you never know if you were good enough. Then you have no joy because there's that tension. I don't know. Am I good enough today? Am I not good enough? But oh, when you believe in Jesus and you know that God has totally forgiven you. Imagine every sin we ever had committed has been wiped out. God has forgiven us. 
Oh, the joy, David says. Legalists have no joy because then they're always worried. I got to fix this, put a Band-Aid on that. Oh, no. My... But boy, when you walk, I am a child of God. Why? Why are you so happy about? Because he declared me righteous. Why? You live perfect? No, far from perfect. But I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And God has now declared me free. You know, it's a legal thing. It came to me this morning about legal things and you have to pay what you owe when you're sued and, or get caught. I'm in Rhode Island, University of Rhode Island. I'm a senior. Basketball season has ended. I am only staying around because I have to be there for the graduation, but I wasn't really into school. I was there to shake and bake people. We're eating a meal, two guys and me, in the dorm where I was. And the food was not bad. It was horrific. <laughs> so we're eating and we're talking, man, this stuff, who could eat this? So my friend, this two guys, they were both from Rhode Island, but living in the dorm. And they say, you know what? Let's go fishing. We'll catch something better than this. And I said, fishing? I'm from Brooklyn. We don't fish. <laughs> go on Fulton Street. See how many people you see fishing. Fishing. <laughs> So I go, fishing? How are we going to fish? They said, no, there's a lake about 15 minutes from here. Let's go to the lake and we'll fish. I said, I got no fishing gear. I have no equipment. They had rods. They, Don't worry, Jim. Jimmy, we'll, we'll fix it up. Don't worry. We'll, we'll fix you up. Okay, so we get in a car. We drive. We stop at the ed of, edge of some woods, and we go into the woods. And after five minutes of walking, we're at this lake. So they pull out their rods. I said, hey. I told you, what would you invite me for? I have no fishing rod. I have no uh, equipment. They said, don't worry, we're going to make something. So the guy, they go to a tree, and they break off a, a long branch like this. And they, one of my friends, he's a Portuguese guy, and he, and he put something on end, like some line, and he put a hook at the end of the line, and they got nice reels, and I'm there with a stick. <laughs> I felt totally Brooklyn, like I'm, I'm just, I got a stick. They, and they got these nice rods, and they were doing this, and I'm just going, throw in the stick, pull it out, throw it again. I had nothing. They said, don't worry, you can catch a fish. What did I know? So I'm there with my stick. But I felt a little funny. Suddenly, we're fishing for about 10 minutes, and I, we hear a voice behind us saying, stand where you are and put down your fishing equipment. And at first, I thought we were being held up. I guess I'm from Brooklyn. You're not real New York until you're held up. How many say amen? Until something's stolen, you're not real. I turn around, and there's a ranger, fishing and game ranger, with a hat on like Smokey the Bear, you know that round thing? No, I'm for real. With a uniform and everything. And he says, put it down. So we put it down. This is all new to me. And a couple of my friends, they start cursing and going, oh, man. He goes, could I have your license? So I went for my wallet. I had a driver's license. <laughs> and he went, no, stupid, not that license. Your license to fish. You need a license to fish? In Prospect Park, you don't need nothing if you go to Prospect Park. I, I actually told him that. I said, listen, I tried to cop a plea, and I went, listen, where I come from in Brooklyn, there's a park. You go fish. You don't need anything. He said, hey, pal, you're not in uh, Brooklyn. You're in Rhode Island. So now he's writing us up. I have to go to court. He's fining me $200. That was a lot of money back then. 
$200. And he says, I have to confiscate your fishing equipment. I went, my fishing is a stick, dude. What are you talking about? It's a stick with a line on the end of it. No, no, I got to put, your, your fishing gear has to come with me. I have to take it. So now I'm like really mad at my friends and I go, what'd you get me into? First of all, you take me to this place in the woods. You hand me a stick. I told you I had nothing. And now my stick got confiscated and I'm going to have to pay $200. (laughs) But I didn't have $200. So now I got to call my my mother. And she's going through her own battles. My dad was still drinking then. But look, I don't want to go to jail because of a stick fishing. So I said, Mom, I have a little situation. And she was so good. How many had a good mom? Just lift your hand. I just... My mother, saint, es una santa. So she sends the money. So like 10 days later, we have to appear in court. I, I can't believe this is happening to me. I got $200. How to make it into a, um, a check, uh, what do you call it, banker's check. So I go to court. They call us up. We have to stand in front of a judge. I felt stupid. So we're there. How do you plead? No, what is this? Okay. You pay your fines, we paid. So now I'm just ready to just explode. You know, I lost $200 of my mother's money because of these clowns making me fish. And then they gave me a stick with a little thing on the end. I'm getting in my car to go back, and suddenly I hear, Mr. they call me a different name there, Mr. Sambala, wait, Mr. Sambala. And I turn, and it's Smokey the Bandit there. It's the guy <laughs> with, the, with the uniform, he says, he said, you can't leave until I return your fishing equipment. And I went, ah, ah, oh, 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 And he went to his thing, opened the back, and he brought out my stick with a little line on the end. And he said, here, sir. And I just took it, and I broke it over my knee, and I said, Argh. I was just not a nice person and full of myself at that point in my life. Now, if someone would have come and said, no, you can go right away. You know why? I paid the money. I cleared the charges. Charges are dropped. I paid the 200. You know, that's what Jesus did for all of us. What do you have to pay? He already paid. Like the song says, Jesus paid it all. How many are happy he paid it all? I mean, everything. Everything. We can't be punished for sin that he already was punished for. Come on, you got to rejoice in the Lord. Come on, real loud. Mas fuerte aplauso. See, our ways are not God's ways. So let me close this up. Look, it goes on to say, and because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. Does that not beat the band? Because of his faith, God said, you're good to go. Just trust me. How can I say it? If I could take every one of you in my office, I would grab your shoulders, I would, and said, please, let me help pray, pray with you. Please trust Jesus. Trust God. Trust him. Don't start doing anything. Trust him. And when God counted him as righteous, it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit. It was recorded for our benefit too. Paul's taking it up now thousands of years. And he says, assuring us that God will also count us as righteous if we believe in him. We're righteous if we believe in him. The one who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was handed over to die because of our sins. And he was raised to life to make us right with God. 
So that, wait, that's the gospel. And that's my first thing before I kind of wrap this up is I trust all of you have a relationship of faith with Jesus Christ, with God, so that you can go to heaven with the rest of us. Because we're going to heaven. Come, Jesus, come. We've been waiting so long. And when we see him, he's not like going to look at our report card. He's going to say, no, I dropped the charges when my son died for you. And you put your faith in him. You can't be more accepted tomorrow. No, tomorrow I'm serious. I'm going to start reading the Bible more. Fine, do that. You can grow spiritually. But you won't be more accepted no matter what you do because you're already accepted. Jesus paid it all. The devil will come and say, look, he loves you, but you got to do a little bit. He loves that. He's the accuser of the brothers and sisters. Always accusing us, condemning us. You didn't, you didn't do over here. So never look inside when the enemy attacks you. Look at the cross. Excuse the language. Tell Satan, go to hell. That's where you belong. My eyes are on Jesus. Come on, can we say amen to that? I'm not looking inside. There ain't nothing there. But let me just close with this thought to make it press it home a little bit more. When God spoke to Abraham, he didn't promise him salvation. Now, Abraham is used as an example of the promise of God and the power of faith in God and his word. And now for us, Christ. But that wasn't what the promise was. The promise to Abraham was the minute he received God's word, God said, I'm going to make you the father of nations. But the problem was, Abraham was, as it went on, 99 years old. And his wife was barren. They couldn't have children. And then God, nothing's happening. And then God says, oh, I didn't forget the promise. Look up at the stars. Can you count them? No. That's how many offspring you're going to have. But he has nothing. He didn't have the first one. No, can you count all the grains of sand on the, on the seashore? That's how many I'm going to give you. He just keeps... Push, upping the ante, pushing the envelope. And now the battle was, will Abraham believe when nothing's happening? So now we close with this thought of faith. And even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. When God gives you a personal word, Something about your life, your children, the one that you're praying for. A calling on your life. Huge debt that, you've, that God says, I'll take care of that if you trust me. He many times makes the promise with a background of hopelessness. There's no way. No, it's not likely. Like you, you traveled 80 miles and God says, I'll take you the last 10. Lord, I'm going to trust you for the last 10. No, God... He tells you you're going to make it, and he says you'll travel a 1,000, and you don't even have a car. But believe me. Will you believe me, Abraham? And the Bible says that's the context of his promise to Abraham. No hope. And yet Abraham said, I'm going to hope. Not just unlikely, imposible, impossible. And yet Abraham, that's why he's called the father of everyone who believes. He held on. Look at the next verse. And Abraham's faith did not weaken. You see, someone here today, I'm here. God sent me, I believe, to tell you, don't let your faith weaken. Hold on to God. Look at me up there. Hold on to God. Trust his word. I know, but I've been... Hold on to God like Abraham did. 
Faith can get strong, as we'll find out. Faith can get weak. Even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb. God's telling him stuff at 99 that is impossible and daring, Abraham. Do you believe I could do it? In the name of sin, see, si, Senor. I believe. And I'm not going to weaken in faith. I know. And friends are going to say, what's all this stuff about, uh, you know, children as many as the nations? You don't even have one, dude. I know, but God said it. And I believe it. And that settles it. I'm holding on to God. So Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. Don't waver today. In fact, his faith grew stronger. Notice now, your faith, faith can get weaker. Faith is not stable in our lives. We can grow in faith. Faith can weaken, waver. Faith can waver and get shaky. Come on, we all know what that means. How many have ever believed, but then it, got, it began to waver a little bit? Lift your hand. Come on, like me. Oh, you talk about, oh, wavering faith. But his faith grew stronger, and in this he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. So now, for him, for him, the context is not, you're going to go to heaven one day. No. His context was he gave a word to Abraham. He made something alive. Did you ever read your Bible? And God, a promise jumps out and you, it's like the Holy Spirit says, believe that, I'm going to do it. Come on, anybody ever have that happen? You're praying, you're believing, you're hanging on. Well, the Lord laid on my heart today to tell you God's ways are not man's ways. You're not going to earn it. The main thing is God is saying, be like Abraham, believe. I know, but I don't, it doesn't matter what you see. No, but I don't feel. That's a sign of an immature Christian. They go by feelings, not by what God said. They f go feeling. I, I, you know, I don't feel it today. God doesn't change because of your feelings or my feelings. Aren't you happy about that? God is faithful. He's going to do it. I could take time right now, but I would break down crying. Tell you the times God has been faithful to Carol and me. That's why she wrote that song. He's been faithful, faithful to me. So if you're hanging now and the enemy wants you to waver or your faith is decreasing, stop. Put your eyes on God today. Whatever he promised, he will do. Heaven and earth will pass away. No, his word can never pass away. Would you bow your heads with me? I want to minister and see God help people now who are hanging on to a promise and it's crunch time and things are not happening but you want God to know today, God, I am not cutting and running. I will not waver. I will not have my faith grow weak. By your grace, I will trust you. I want to be like Father Abraham who waited years but it came to pass. And now we all revere his name, and he's called the father of everyone who believes. Why? Because he waited for God. He remained faithful and waited when he didn't see a thing. It was ridiculous. His friends laughed at him and said, hey, guy, you're 99. You ain't having any kids. Don't talk to me about stars in the sky. You're not having one. 
but he kept believing. If you're here today hanging on, hanging on to God's promise that you believe he's made to you about something, but in speci- specifically, if you're not a Christian here, you've got to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You've got to confess your sins and say, I'm going another way. God, I'm going to follow you. I trust you. Now change me. Cleanse me. That's how you become a Christian. Not joining a church. Putting your faith in Christ. Realizing he died for your sins. So you turn from your sin. Sin is what the Bible calls sin. Not what the culture calls sin. What you, don't disagree with God. Confess. That means say the same thing as God. That's wrong. That hate is wrong. That race, racism is wrong. That selfishness, that immorality, that pornography, that lying, whatever it is, just agree with God. It's wrong. Forgive me and do your work in me. That's how you become a Christian. But maybe you're here today. You are a believer, but you're hanging on, hanging on. Oh, God, you know what I've asked you to do. I believe you put that in my heart, and I don't see it yet, but God, I'm hanging on. Keep me steady, Lord. Increase my faith. Just stand up where you are so I can pray over you. Just stand up. I want to hang on to God for that which he promised. I'm trusting him, but I don't see it yet. Come on, stand up. Up in the balcony downstairs. This word has hit you, not me, my preaching, but the word of God. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. He's not saying try anything. He's saying believe. Did I not tell you if you believe, he said to one of the sisters, you will see the glory of God. Believe. If you're standing here, come on to the front. Come on. Balcony too. Come on down. Rapido. Come on. Come on. From the balcony, move. It'll take you a a minute. Not even a minute. You come. Then we'll let you get back. Come on. Let God see that you mean what you're saying today. Lord, thank you for this service. Thank you for your word today. Oh, your word, Romans 4. Help everyone to read it this week, Lord. Get it in our hearts and spirits. Thank you. That your ways are not our ways. If your ways were our ways, we'd be done, finished, cooked. But you're full of mercy and grace. Oh, how great is our God. Lord, thank you that Commissioner Kane could be here. Thank you for Superintendent McClure, Ryan Kindle, Lord, everyone who's here, my new friend Jerry, Lord. Just bless us as we end now. Let the people go down to that welcome center and enjoy it. Bless the offering that people give physically as they leave. Give us extra money, God, for those shirts for the prison. Give us that money. We believe. What is $25,000 to you, God? That's nothing. You own the cattle on a thousand hills. So help us. We ask for your blessing on the rest of the day. Be with us in Jesus' name now as we all say amen. Turn and give somebody a hand, shake a hug. Come on, everybody. Ni hao.